Welcome in, Gator fans, to Chomp Chatter, your podcast for all things Florida Gators. I'm Will Thomas. You can find me on Twitter at WTSports1925. I'm joined today by my co-host, John Miles, who you can find on Twitter at Chomp John. And you can find all of our stuff on HailFloridaHail.com. We're pumping out content every day for you to keep up with everything going on down in Gainesville. So today for our third episode, we're going to talk about a couple of things, the first of which being SEC Media Day. Yesterday we saw or on Wednesday, rather, we saw Billy Napier and uh, Jason Marshall, Kingsley Aguacoon, and Ricky Pearsall all go to Nashville and take the stage to give sort of a state of the union of the program and what they're expecting. And one of the things that stood out was Napier was talking about some of the certain positions to look at this fall. And two that he pointed out were safety and tight end, because there's a lot of youth at those positions, and there'll be a lot of young guys that need to step up. So at tight end, I'm less worried about it because we have Keon Zipper coming back. He's a senior guy who can lead the room. But at safety, there are a lot of young faces that are going to have to step up. You've got Kamari Wilson, who's a true sophomore. He was that big fish, five-star out of IMG that Napier first landed. It was his first big recruit. Uh, and he had 39 tackles last season behind guys like Trey Dean and Rashad Torrance. So he'll really be in the spotlight this fall. You've also got Miguel Mitchell, who's a true sophomore. He only had 15 tackles last year in a more limited role. A big guy that I think we'll see a lot more this fall, too, is R.J. Moten. He transferred in from Michigan over the summer, had 31 tackles, one and a half sacks, and an interception uh, in his sophomore year at Michigan. And the fourth guy rounding out that room is Jordan Castell, who's going to be a true freshman. He was a four-star in the 2023 class coming out of Florida and was a top 20 safety in that class. So when you look at that secondary, specifically the back end of it, there's a lot of youth, which there are pros and cons to, because for pros, you've got young guys who can maybe start to overhaul a position that's been kind of weak the past few years. But if you have a lack of experience, you're also worried that maybe it won't be as good as it can be this year. So that can kind of be a toss up for the Gators this fall. Yeah, it can be. Um, they said they don't really need much more in this, in the secondary, but you, you can never stock up because we just get some safety to play corner as well. And if somebody goes down, we'll have an extra that can play both. Right, that's really important in the back end because if you got one guy who gets a little hurt and you throw a weak link out in the secondary, teams can take advantage of that, especially in the SEC. And, and they will. That's why you know you saw guys like Trey Dean and Rashad Torrance last year who kind of headlined the room. They were those veteran guys with a little more experience, but it's like they have some holes in their game that hopefully these young guys were able to see on the field and know what they have to do. And it'll be a whole, it'll be a new look defense really all around. You've got. The young safeties I talked about, you've got some transfers coming in at linebacker and Austin Armstrong, the new defensive coordinator, is going to bring a new look and hopefully a better defense than we saw in the, with the past two coordinators and Patrick Tony and Todd Grantham. Yeah, that's got to be different. It's not that Gator standard that we've seen that we saw, you know, under Will Muschamp, really, because that defense was it was wreaking havoc. It was scoring points for the offense. And the past few years we've had, we've seen the offense have to really try to outscore the other team as opposed to the defense being able to limit and let the offense get comfortable. And, you know, talking about coordinators, Napier also brought up uh, the fact that he has not hired an offensive coordinator to call the plays, even though a lot of coaches are doing that nowadays. He said that he wants a hand on the play calling, a hand on the scripting of those plays still. And I'm looking at pros and cons of this because he's he and his staff are always evaluating everything. And one of the issues that a lot of fans had last year was with the play calling. Obviously, you still had Anthony Richardson back there, and the team was scoring a lot of points, but it felt like 
they could maybe benefit from having a designated play caller. For right now, that won't be the change. Napier will still be a part of that play calling process, a big part of it. So we'll see how it should be simple this fall, granted, because it'll be a run-heavy offense, not a whole lot of passing prowess, but it'll be interesting to see how Billy continues to call those plays. You know, now that the word's kind of out that maybe he should be hiring a coordinator because that's the way that most of these head coaches are going. Most of them, they have coordinate, offense coordinators, but they have, the head coaches still have a lot to do with it. Um, we've seen it with, especially in the NFL, with Bill Belichick. Like, he has an offense coordinator, but you know New England would always run the play calls through Tom Brady and through Bill Belichick. So, I mean, it's mm-hmm. he's got to find – I see. I mean, I can see where he's not want to do that and try to work with the quarterbacks – but at the same time, it's like he doesn't trust them enough to do it on their own, I guess, mm-hmm. or to work with a coordinator um, with the inexperience. And Mertz is not that great. And we got two other freshmen and sophomores in the backfield. So that's that's a lot. Yeah, there is a lot of youth really everywhere on this team, especially on offense. And one area where there actually are a lot of young guys that I'm excited about, and I think Napier's excited about too, was wide receiver. You're bringing in three freshmen in uh, Andy Jean, Aiden Mazzell, and Eugene Wilson. And a news drop that kind of went under the radar a little bit yesterday was that Ricky Pearsall was announced as a punt returner, which has its own kind of connotations. But to me, what I saw is that that tells me that Napier really does trust these young guys to take over the receiver position because now you're giving Pearsall another responsibility. And as a punt returner, you're subjecting him to getting, you know, laid out by gunners and just a lot more contact. But it seems like you're willing to take that risk of having a playmaker like Pierce all returning punts, knowing that you have guys behind him who can hold the fort down at receiver. Yeah. It's not only that too. If you look at it this way too, he could be used like Percy Harvin, Brandon James was too. Mm-hmm. He was that explosive. He's that explosive wide receiver. He might be able to help take some pressure off the offense too. Yeah, absolutely. Special teams was really an issue for the Gators last year. They were not good on kick returns or on punt returns which did not do the offense any favors. So if you're yeah, able so, to get a guy with Pearsall who can explode through that, it can really put the offense in a better spot. It will. I mean, if, if this was up to me, I'd be ha- I would put Pearsall and Etienne in the back for punt mm-hmm. and kick returns. Those are the two fastest kids on the on the team. You got to put speed. You got to have speed on special teams. Yeah, absolutely. It's a game changer. So that was really all of of substance that came out of media days that those never really bring much breaking news uh, or bombshells. It's just kind of interesting to get a pulse on the program from the coaches and the players. So moving on to our second topic here is that Florida recruiting is just as hot as it's been really all summer. They currently sit at fourth in the country and third in the sec. As we wrote about on um, hail Florida hail, the 2024 class already ranks higher than the 2023 class on both on three and 24-7 with less commits. So you're already seeing that Napier is being able to establish that culture and bring in a higher caliber of players. And since we last recorded an episode, the one with David Soderquist, the Gators have added four new commits. The first of which was Fletcher Westfall, who is the 6'8 offensive lineman who adds to just a, a physically massive offensive line haul for the Gators and is by far their highest ranked tackle commit. He's ranked 19th in the country at that position. And this is continuing with a trend that Napier has been pushing, which is just get giant bodies on the offensive line. 
they're coming in the 24 class, but they already have plenty of big guys on the roster. They've got three offensive linemen currently listed at six, eight or above in Cameron Waits, Jordan Herman and Keonta Goodwin. They've got uh, six, six, Damian George, six, six, Austin Barber and six, five, Micah Mascua, sorry, Mazuka. And these guys are giant bodies. And with a run heavy offense, it's important to have that kind of just pure muscle and manpower in the trenches. Yeah, and he's to me. This is you. You got to get bulky. Mm-hmm. You got you got Osiris who just left in the draft. You got you got to replace him. You got to mm-hmm. get these big boys in there and get that the the talent levels on par with that, or else we're gonna we're gonna be struggling. Yeah, absolutely. He's, yeah, for last year, currently the last time I looked at it, um, it was. We're ranked eleventh for this this class, and we were ranked second mm-hmm. overall. That yeah. was a combined census um, from all the from all the sites. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and they're already looking for twenty twenty five recruits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it's you got to get some offensive. You got to get offense and defensive line, and that's the majority of this twenty four class. Yeah, it's 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 kind of refreshing to see that rather than just going out and recruiting the best guys that will give you the time of day, Napier's going after holes on the roster and holes that will be there in a few years when you've got some upperclassmen that will leave. And two more of those commits that he reeled in since our last episode was Kendall Jackson, the four-star defensive lineman right out of Gainesville. Uh, He took 13 visits to the University of Florida before he committed, so all that persistence really did end up paying off for him. And also Teddy Foster who is a three-star corner and has flown a bit under the radar. He's just inside the top 700 players in the country and is the 69th best corner in the class. But when you have Corey Raymond as your secondary coach and you've gotten to the point where you can really have put good faith in the evaluations of this Gator staff, it's hard not to like the idea that Foster can be a great player and can be one of the better corners, maybe not just on the team, but in the conference. Yeah, it, it can be. Um, like I said, it's you can like Napier said yesterday when he was talking to Josh Pate in uh, the interview that I posted in my article this afternoon. Um, mm-hmm. He said we don't always have to go out and get the best. We're not going to get everyone. We just got to get what's going to fit for us. Mm-hmm. And then he qu- quoted and said, um, went on to in the next part of that went on to say he got some advice from Urban Meyer. Um, you can go check that out on the website as well, but I'll mm-hmm. give a little, qu- a little quick bit of it. He said he, as soon as uh, he got hired on at Florida, Urban Meyer had either called or texted him and told him, he said, you need to make sure that you have a filter because not only do I have to deal with your fan base, you have to deal with Florida State, you have to deal with Miami and their fan bases. And he basically just says it is what it is and, you know, we're going to be the better coming out of this. And me, mm-hmm. he's taking a shot at Florida State and Miami. Speaking of taking shots at FSU, the most recent commit was flipping FSU's top receiver, who was Tawaski Abrams, and he is an absolute burner. He's ranked as a four-star wideout, uh, top 50 position-wise, top 300 in the country, and he now adds, out of the three receivers committed for Florida, it's Abrams, Isaiah Wilson, and Jure Hawkins, and Napier is assembling a track team at wideout. Looking at Jure Hawkins first, he has a personal record of a 10.37, in the 100 meters. Tawaski Abrams has eight sub-11 second efforts, including a 10.62 in the 
in that 100-meter dash. And Isaiah Williams is logged with a 40-yard dash of 4.46 and a 10.94 in the 100 meters. So you look at the 2023 class with Gene, Mazzell, and Wilson. Those guys are also well-known for their speed. Gene's got a good combination of size and quickness. And then the 2024, you've got three more guys who are track stars and can outrun anybody. So you can also see the type of receiver that Napier wants to have on his team through these last two classes. And on top of that, you got DJ Lagway coming in, mm-hmm. trying to recruit for the top the top 10 receiver. You know, there's been rumors going around he's trying to recruit some of the top 10 wide receivers in 25's class to come into mm-hmm. speed kills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and having a kills, and we all know that, especially with uh, recent years, like the 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 game winner, the Felipe Franks did in the Tennessee game. Mm -hmm. I mean, Henderson. uh, Who else was it? Who else did we have? Um, Last couple of years. I mean, guys like Kadarius Tony, you know, yeah, maybe Kadarius, they weren't, Tony, stuff they like weren't that, necessarily yeah. streakers, but it was that agility and ability to change direction that a fr- like freakish athleticism is what made him so good. Yeah, I was drawing a blank. It's Yeah, Tony, and mm. then you had flashes of p- people in the past, like Bubba Caldwell. You had, you know, Percy Harvin. Mm-hmm. You know, you had those, those type of players that could do it all. And that, to me, this is... Seems like hitting that wide receiver spot's been pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Going at it pretty hard. Yeah, and that's a big deal, especially in the SEC. And having a quarterback committed like Lagway, you know, ballers want to play with ballers. So you have a quarterback as good as DJ, you're going to get some elite receivers that kind of want to flock and play with them. And in this 24 class, you know, we've already got three four star receivers lined up who have great attributes and everything, but. The Gators are still on the play for, you know, Chance Robinson, who's committed to Miami. And I'll still throw Jeremiah Smith's name in there just for the sake of of having it, but it seems like that smoke has really slowed down a little bit, especially with Hartline staying steady at Ohio State, so they'll likely hold on to Jeremiah. But having these two receivers committed is pretty good collateral for missing out on Jeremiah. Yeah, and as I was looking at it up right now, we're up to – a total of 21 commits, 277.98, more ranked third, according mm-hmm. to 24-7 sports. Two yeah. five stars, two, four, 12, seven, 12 four stars, and three seven stars. Or seven three stars. Mm-hmm. So going in to look at it, we got, you know, there's a lot of speed. When you look at it, I mean, I don't know where Amir Jackson's going to fit in because they got him listed as an athlete. So, I mean, that could be a, several options there. Mm-hmm. He's, got, he's got good hands. He's got good speed. Um, yeah, this is they're, it's clear what they're trying to do. They are trying to bulk up the offensive line and the defensive line here. Mm-hmm. One thing I found interesting about this class, actually, is that when Napier first got on as as the head coach, he really stressed the importance of recruiting in-state. And not letting Florida kids go to other schools, not losing them to, you know, FSU and Miami. And he's done a good job of that. But you look at this 2024 class, only a quarter of the players are from Florida. And, you know, you think about obviously there are 50 states, so a quarter of your players from one state makes sense. But even though he hasn't actually been all over Florida, he's still been able to pull elite players, you know, from Texas. You've got both Xavier Filsomi and Lagway from Texas. You've got Miles Graham from Georgia, Jamonta Waller from Mississippi. So it only took him a year to get from, we're going to recruit the state of Florida 
get our brand back to we're now back and I'm going to go to your state and take your players. So the quickness that he was able to flip that around on the trail from, you know, Georgia, Clemson, Bama coming into Florida and taking players. Now we're going into Texas, Mississippi and Georgia and taking their players. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be fun here in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Give him, give him another two years. Yeah. And we're going to be a steady playoff team. Yeah, absolutely. If, I think that the general vibe is, I hope it is, that Napier will get more than that, you know, standard three-year deadline to turn a program around because you got a tough schedule this year with a rebuilding roster next year and 2024 doesn't even seem fair. So no, Gators aren't going to win 10 games this year or next, but having a pulse on where the program's going, the general vibe, not just from, you know, fans, but from recruits and other teams in the country, that's what I think will buy Napier time. And if you give him, you know, three or four more years, you'll see that dividend pay off pretty well. I I just hope they don't do do like they did with Dan Mullen with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, the end. Every, everybody hired when we when we hired Mullen back. We thought, oh, shit's gonna get easy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's gonna he's gonna bring us back to that Urban Meyer Urban Meyer offense. Take you know his take on it, but still, like we thought we were gonna, and it just. First year, first year and a half, two years was good, but it just declined. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly because of Grantham's fault, but you just, we can't, we can't do that. We got to yeah. give him time to build. He's never been this high up. He's only been an assistant when he was, when he won his titles at Bama. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he was like an, uh, some type of offense coach. He wasn't a coordinator, I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. But you got to give him time. Yeah, he references that. By, I would say by year four or year five, that's when we're going to be a solid contender. Yeah. you got to give them at least another two years because the recruits are going to be coming. This year, next year's schedule is absolute dog shit. <laughs> it's it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, yeah, we're going to go over this in the next podcast or two. Hopefully... Uh, probably within the next two weeks, I'd say. Uh, beginning the first uh, episode in August, uh, we're going to be breaking down the schedule, doing mm-hmm. an, just in that it, just the schedule. Um, and we're going to try and save most of what we have to say for that. But if we can win nine or ten games in either of these two schedules, mm-hmm. it's not. It's going to be a miracle. Yeah. It's going also going to be because we played – Florida football. It's not going to be some pissant version of, you know, watered down type stuff we've been seeing the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So it, shit's about to get real. I mean, it's it's going to be hard. It's I'm I almost predict going to predict out of these twenty four games coming for the next two years. There's going to be at least half of them. It's going to be coming. It's going to come down to like last year's opener against Utah. Mm-hmm. It's going to come down to the wire. You know, we are probably going to have to keep up, especially next year. We're going to have to play Bama and Auburn, and then have Texas and Oklahoma joining in. That, that that's un- that is everybody in the SEC got shit schedules. Yeah, it's all getting tougher. But you referenced 
how this was Navier's first time, you know, as a head coach in the SEC, but he does have experience as assistants under Saban at Bama and under Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. So he knows what those winning programs look like. He knows yeah, he knows what to do. He just he yeah. he needs the time to do it. Yeah, exactly. So patience is gonna pay off in the long run here for Gator fans. Uh, it's it's gonna be something we all do not have a lot. Of. <laughs> I mean, and I know I hate bringing up old shit, but damn, I am still pissed off at Marco Wilson for throwing that fucking cleat. <laughs> that was definitely the downfall and the spiral out of control of. Because if he Everything. had not, if he had not had done that, LSU would have not gotten the first down they needed. They would have not won that game. We would have had all of our players back for Alabama and the SEC championship. That motherfucker cost us a national championship. That's plain and simple. He cost us a title, and everything went downhill after that. Yeah, it's definitely hard to bounce back from when you're on the brink of something that great and it gets taken away off of a sportsmanship penalty. Because if I because if I believe if I if I believe my stats are right, that's the year Kyle Trask almost won the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that still pisses me off to this day, and that was freaking mm-hmm. three, four years ago. That's it. It's it's bad how one thing can. St- change your entire franchise yeah and, this, and i'm using the word franchise as in just in sports in general how one thing can cause you to go off the tracks it, it's it's getting put back together it's just it's going to take a while yeah that's why i really like what Napier is doing in terms of you know building his culture the standard and he's recruiting guys who want to be here which is going to help limit you know Stupid mistakes both on and off the field. Once these guys know what they're playing for and they're all together and aligned, which is not really something that it seemed like we had the last year and a half of Mullen's tenure. Yeah, it's a, things have changed. I, like I said, you know, I was I was kind of hoping for a little bit better season than we had last year. I guess, mm-hmm. like Napier said, you know, of the seven losses I think we had last year, six of those were by less than a touchdown. Mm-hmm. We had a playoff team last year. They just could not capitalize on certain moments and finish. Yeah, these, being a, th- these kids need to learn how to finish a ball game. Mm-hmm. Being a couple plays away from some of those wins, it's, you know, there's pluses and minuses. The plus is that you can kind of look back and say, look, we're right there. We just have to take an extra step. But the minus is that, you know, we don't have what it takes to take that step right now which I think is what, you know, bringing in all this talent, bringing in all this, um, all this firepower. The next two draft, the new, the next two draft classes is what's going to do it. Yeah. Because there's as much, as much talent as there is coming in for the, in the next two years that there's no way we have Mm. to have, they have, I mean, there is, I mean, there can be, but just it like in general, there's, there's just no way hell. There's too much talent for them to go five, six, seven wins each of those seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, even 25 schedule from what we can see on online. I mean, I know a lot of it's to be determined and stuff and who we're going to play, but just looking at who the for certains in the rotation, it's just not going to get easier. 
it's just going to get harder and it's just, it's going to be hard, mm -hmm. but we got the talent. We got, they got, they just got to go out and execute it. It's mm -hmm. just that simple. I mean, I know you, it's hard to say something and then go and actually try and do it, but that's, it's just, you got to stop making those mistakes. Right. They got to stop turning the ball over so much. You got to protect. You got to tackle. You know, don't try. I mean, if you got to get, you stick them and not get caught, do whatever you got to do. Just like, you know, they just, they got to knock off the mental errors. They got to knock off a lot of these mistakes. And if they can do it, then this team will easily win nine to 10 games. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that schedule is brutal. It's, it's a bummer, but. All I know is it's going to go one of two ways. It's either they're going to shit the bed and we'll be lucky to get three or four wins or it's going to be a repeat of last year. Because mm -hmm. the, the, there's no – the ceiling is, of course, we want to say the ceiling is nine, ten, nine or ten wins, maybe 11. 12 if you want to count the bowl, the bowl game in the playoff. But – we're looking at another six to seven season just based off the schedule and how hard that is. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, you know, we'll see the Gators come out and show some sparks, some signs of the, uh, the improvements and the upward trend of the overall program. But, you know, like you said, the schedule's tough and patience is going to be what's going to get us to the end here. If, if we don't just focus on this year and next schedule's tough talent isn't here yet. We're not going to win a whole lot of games but it's important to see that vision and what's uh, down the road in the future. So I think we're more, that's pretty much all we have for today. Just summing up the media days, looking at recruiting and just talking some more look aheads towards the schedule. Like John said, first weekend um, of August, we'll have a schedule preview out for you. We'll go through the toughest games, the easiest games, maybe a trap game or an upset watch. We'll go through all that. We'll have it all for you here on chomp chatter. John, again, anything else you want to say? Yeah, make sure you guys are checking it out. Make sure you're following all the socials and make sure you are joining the Discord. We're trying to build a community. Um, we're also going to try and see if we can do some cool shit for you guys. So make sure you join. The links will be in the descriptions of everything. Uh, or you can find it on one of our Twitters. So Absolutely. Yeah. Make sure make sure you go to hailfortohell.com so you don't miss anything that we're putting out. These podcasts are about once a week. We've got multiple articles up a day, so you don't want to miss any of it. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Chomp Chatter, and we will see you next time.